Father, you are overwhelming, Lord. Father, with love, Lord, and forgiveness, Father God, and Father, how it's never ending, Lord. And Father, how you never give up on us, Father. It is us who walk away from you. So I pray, Lord, that you would just use me as a mighty vessel, my God, and that you would fill me and empower me by the power of your Holy Spirit, my God. And Father, that you, Lord, would be glorified, Father, and that you would give my sisters the ears to hear and the heart to receive, Lord. I love you, Lord, and I thank you in Jesus' name. So tonight's study is on forgiveness. And my prayer tonight is that we would be open to encourage one another to forgive this broken and unforgiving world. Forgiveness of sin is about a daily acclamations of misdeeds, hurts, and wrongs that are part of our living faith in a fallen world. Our Father seeks to discipline us in this area as well. If we become hardened toward others and unforgiving because they hurt us too often, our Father is good to keep us under his chastisement until we learn how to forgive. He is kind in confronting our pride and reminding us of our own faults. We have been in situations where we have done wrong and desire forgiveness from spouses, family members, friends, co-workers. Sometimes the person we most need to forgive is ourselves. And then there are times where someone is asking us for forgiveness and we have to look deep down within ourselves to find um, the strength to forgive, but with no strings attached. It's hard whether you are the giver or the receiver of forgiveness. It is a very powerful thing. Such forgiveness is made possible when we consider what God has already done by sending his only begotten son. Martin Luther writes, Forgiveness is God's command. Frederick Robertson writes, We win with tenderness, but we conquer by forgiveness. C.S. Lewis says, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. There is perhaps no greater gift we can offer than a heart that knows the power of forgiveness and that we will willingly gift it back. To set you, to set you and those who have hurt you free from the sin and pain. Forgiveness isn't easy. The closer we are with one another in our homes and in our churches, in our workplace, we gather together and we extend forgiveness. The closer we are seeking to build up one another and pray for one another and serve with one another, there will be conflict. There will be conflict when things are one-sided and misunderstood. Let's take a brief look at marriage. When two people are joined together in a marriage, there will be differences. Two people's opinion will surface in a marriage on where to live, what church to attend, how many children can we have, what 
uh, where should we go on vacation, down to the simplest things of everyday needs. And in between all this, there will be many disagreements and many hurt words being said. For unity in a marriage to hold together, there must be a strong spirit of forgiveness between each other. Ruth Graham says, a happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers. There must be a spirit of forgiveness and a spirit to forgive. A blessed marriage is where the wind whispers, I forgive you, with a gentle touch or a gentle gentle hug. Forgiveness in marriage is essential. We are two sinners saved by by grace, inclined and capable of saying hurtful things. We will hit bumps in our marriages. These These things are recipes for destruction or damage in our relationship, and it can disrupt our home. In our marriage and in our friendships, we must validate our emotions and seek forgiveness through God's word and in prayer. And if so, it must be communicated with godly counsel. I believe forgiveness is one of the most important factors in a marriage and a lifetime of love and strong unity. My husband and I, um, we have this word we say to each other. And it either makes us laugh or it just breaks a barrier when we can be upset with each other. And the other day he said the word and it was like, no, you don't have that right to say that. Because I don't want to stop being angry with you, you know. But he said it and it was like, okay, you know. So we weren't mad at each other anymore, but I didn't want him to do that. I wanted to be mad, you know. But um, those kind of things, those kind of little touches in our marriage um, are so beautiful to have because even if you don't want to forgive or even if you're in a place that you're mad and you find this one thing that you both can laugh about, and um, I just think it's beautiful and it breaks the barrier, of course. So let's first take a look at what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not excusing unjust behavior. It is acknowledging that unjust behavior is without an excuse while still forgiving. Forgiveness is not letting the guilty off the hook. It moves the guilty from from your hooks to God's hooks. Forgiveness is not stuffing your anger. It is resolving your anger by releasing the offense to God. Forgiveness is not being a weak martyr. It is being strong enough to be Christ-like. Forgiveness is not conditional. It is unconditional. It is mandated from God to everyone. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice, an act of the will. Forgiveness is not being a doormat. It is seeing that if this were so, God, Jesus, our Jesus, would have been the greatest doormat of all. Proverbs 1.5 tells us, Let us be wise in listening and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. What is forgiveness? To forgive is to release your rights regarding the offense. To forgive is to release your rights to hold on to mistreatment done to you. 
To forgive is to release your rights to keep no record of your offense. Forgiveness is extending compassion and overlooking transgressions. Forgiveness is to look at the cross and see his love, mercy, and grace. The grace we don't deserve, the mercy, the punishment we do deserve. We all struggle to forgive someone. We all struggle to forgive someone, so don't think you're in it alone. There are many people who are at war within their own heart and soul. As long as there is breath in us, there will be opportunity to be heard. Let's take, for instance, Joseph. One of the most powerful testimony of forgiveness is found in our Old Testament, the story of Joseph in Genesis 37. We know his brothers had jealousy, had hatred for a 17-year-old Joseph. It caused them to plot his murder. But instead of hurting him, his brother Reuben convinced them to sell Joseph to the caravan of Midianites passing through the country. The Midianites then sold him to Potiphar, who was one of Pharaoh's officials and the captain of the guards, Genesis thirty-seven thirty-six. Joseph, from his youngest years, had a steadfast faith in God, knowing that his guiding hand was upon him. Was upon him. His faith and his trust in God would give Joseph the strength for what was to come. Joseph served Potiphar for three years and then spent ten years in prison for a crime he did not commit. He was falsely accused. Finally, after this series of events, he was released to interpret Pharaoh's disturbing dreams. He told Pharaoh that he would have seven years of prosperity and seven years of famine, and that in those years of prosperity, surplus grain needed to be stored to carry the nation through a coming famine. Joseph found favor in Pharaoh's eyes and made Joseph the second most powerful man in Egypt next to Pharaoh. During the famine, Joseph's brothers traveled to Egypt from Canaan. Not to, rec- not to recognize Joseph, they stood before him and asked if they might purchase some grain. After this series of events, Joseph eventually revealed his identity to his brothers who then became terrified and feared for their lives because they had sinned against Joseph, who is now the second most powerful man in Egypt. Their faith was clearly in his hands. However, the unexpected happened. Genesis 15, 19-21. Joseph extended immeasurable kindness, mercy, grace, and unconditional forgiveness. Joseph showed great compassion to his brothers and refused to stand in judgment of them and said, Do not be afraid. am, Am I in a place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many, so that so then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children And he assured them, and they were forgiven, and he spoke kindly. Now, Joseph had every reason to be angry, just like if we were to have been mistreated, abandoned, 
accused, falsely accused, forgotten, and yet he kept his trust and his eyes on God throughout his life. He recognized all that had happened to him was for a greater purpose. And a lot of times when things happen to us, we may not understand them. But God in time will show us his greater purpose because he loves us that much. And because of the trust in God throughout his life, he was able to show amazing forgiveness toward his brothers. He did not judge them. Then because he knew and then because he knew he wasn't the one to pass judgment on his brothers. We are not to pass judgment on anybody. We are not to judge. It is God's right. It is for him to judge. Now, do you believe that God brings people into your life to put them there for a difficult situation? Or do you believe or think that he puts them in there for your weakness? We must never forget what the enemy intends for evil. God has the power to use to accomplish his will to bless us. Now, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, Paul didn't say all good things. He said all things. He said um, all things will work together for good. It's the hurtful things. It's the things we fear. It's the things we blame others and ourselves for. It is all things, when we are forgiven, all things will be brought into healing and into the freedom of our heart and soul. Unforgiveness closes the channel to God, and it is God who will fill you with all wisdom, guidance, revelation, healing, and true forgiveness. Now, last time when I was up here, I I shared the testimony of my brother who um, was killed and how God, how I was shown God and I received um, him as my Lord and Savior. Well, before that happened, I was an angry, miserable person. I had so much pain inside of me. I had so much hate inside of me especially the time of the, this young man's trial. I couldn't wait, you know, to go in and just give him a piece of my mind. I wanted him to hurt the way we hurt it. And there's a time in court when they give the family a chance to speak, you know, uh, before the person. And I told him how I felt. I was angry. I hated him. I wanted him to be with the worst of all worst prisoners. I had this pain inside of me, inside the pit of my stomach, just stabbing me each and every day. And it wasn't until I received the Lord. But, but you know, when we received the Lord, it, and I was going through to church on Wednesdays, I was going to church on Sundays, and I was receiving great teaching. But it didn't happen right away. I didn't just one day come into church and say, oh, I could forgive him. It took a while. 
It took a while for me to learn what the true meaning of forgiveness was. And when I learned the scripture, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. It was like taking off an old muddy garment and putting on a clean, refreshed garment, no longer feeling the pain in my stomach. And the truth of don't sin and let your anger take control of you. I was always angry. And once I had that feeling and once I knew that God was with me and once I understood what he did for me is when I understood what I needed to do for him. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, I was allowed to let go of the bitterness, the rage, the slander, and all types of evil behavior. And believe me, I had those evil thoughts. And I learned to be kind and compassionate with one another, forgiving each other just as Christ had forgiven me. When we truly understand the breadth and the length, the depths and the height of God's love, for us through his sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ, how can we not forgive? How can we not get rid of the bitterness and the evil behavior? It's like, why do we come to church? You know, my question to you is, we are being taught by wonderful teachers, kindness, hospitality, meekness, um, love. And when we, take, when we leave out of here, do we take it with us? Do we learn from it? Do we share it? That's what we're to do. We're not here to just talk. You know, we're here to share with you and to tell you what these gifts are. And all these gifts came from our Heavenly Father. All these gifts, these perfect, wonderful gifts, came from our Heavenly Father. And later, I, I shared with my mom, you know, that I forgave the, son, the person who took away her son. Well, that wasn't easy. Because she, too, had so much anger and so much hate inside of her. And I told her how wonderful it was to release this pain. She knows of Jesus. She's a born-again Christian. And I told her, you know, don't you want that freedom? God, Jesus, God sent his only begotten son for us so that we can have and we can receive and let go of things that are tearing us down. And she did. She received him. And now she, at first she wasn't able to talk about him, but talk about my brother, but now she can talk to him and share about his memories and be filled with joy and, um, but of course, always with tears. Our God is faithful, but we have to do our part with prayer and seeking his peace every day to forgive until he calls us home. Matthew eighteen twenty one tells us, When Peter came to Jesus and said, How often shall, I, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Is it up to seven times? 
Doesn't Peter sound like us? Isn't that our question to the Lord? How many times, Lord? Enough is enough with this person. We say, Lord, this is like the 10th time, the 20th time. My husband has hurt me, has lied to me, has uh, made me mad. Or do we say, Lord, you know, this is the fifth time my friend or my family member has left me out um, of gatherings. Or this is like the third time that woman gossiped about me or has ignored me and looked at me wrong. Could it be someone spreading rumors or something as simple, as simple as talking about you because they don't understand you? Could it be our children? How many times, Lord, will they cause us pain? How many times will they make the same mistake over and over and continue to displease us? How many times, Lord? And Jesus said, Seventy times seven. So that's like about 490 times. But it's not a matter of mathematics. It's the point of grace. Forgiveness is unlimited grace. We are only capable of this unlimited forgiveness with the Spirit of God living within us. It is God who provides the ability for us to offer forgiveness over and over just as he gave it to us over and over and still forgives us over and over. There are many times when you have to forgive someone, but every time there's an argument, they bring up the past. How do we get over that? I know forgiveness doesn't come in a tidy little package, and I know it's not one size fits all. But what I do know is forgiveness is wrapped up in the love of God, and it was costly. I'm, I'm not going to—it's not going to cost you anything if you tell the person you no longer want to argue. It's not going to cost you anything if you just step away from a, for a moment. It's not going to cost you anything if you stop and reason together. In Isaiah, uh, Isaiah tells us, come and let us reason together. In Luke 17, 4, Jesus says, if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. And And if it happens to come again tomorrow, you are called to do the same. And if it happens again the next day, you are called to do the same. Forgiveness isn't measurable. When Jesus said 70 times 7, Jesus is saying that your forgiveness should have no bounds. Jesus Jesus forgives us, and it's never-ending. But maybe you've been hurt very, very bad. And maybe someone sinned against you. Maybe they abused you or used their power against you. Then I want you to know I'm not forcing you or compelling you to forgive. And I'm not going to keep telling you this until you cave. It has to come from your heart. Instead, I'm going to do what Paul does. I'm going to remind you of who you are. 
You are the workmanship of Jesus Christ. You are a child of God, dearly loved by him and created for his purpose. Psalms 147, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This is where the power to forgive comes from. It's not of our own doing given to us. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit moving in and through us. Even if we don't feel it right now, you are completely be completely assured that you are in his arms and that he loves you dearly. And because you are dearly loved, he gives you the power to be kind to one another, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as God in Christ forgave you. You have the power, and no one can take that away from you. When Jesus was in great agony at the cross... He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Pleading to God the Father on our behalf. How great of love is that? Unforgiveness. There is no peace where bitterness and unforgiveness lives. If you are a Christian with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you know this. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or drink, but of a living life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 13 tells us, brothers and sisters, God has called you to freedom. Hear the call and do not spoil this gift by using your liberties to engage in what your flesh desires. Instead, use it to serve each other as Jesus taught us through his love. For the whole law comes down to this one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Forgiveness does not condone the actions of the person. Rather, it sets them free from a terrible bondage of hate, which destroys us emotionally spiritually, mentally, and physically. Unforgiveness literally has the power to make us sick, even to the point of death. Many people can ruin their lives, um, ruin their health and their lives when they refuse to forgive those who have done them wrong. They keep themselves in a prison and they take the cup of bitterness resentment, and unforgiveness. Do you enjoy being tortured in the, in the torture chamber or watching someone you love going through this kind of pain because they, hold, because they hold such hate inside themselves? This is what happens when you fail to forgive. It is a feeling you fill your mind with anger, vengeance, hate, and resentment that has an unproductive outcome, such as an increase of anxiety, depression, your blood pressure goes up, um, your immune system drops. It's the worst of the worst, and it can cause death. I never shared this before, but my brother who passed away had a twin brother. And unforgiveness can and will drive you to do... um, harsh make harsh decisions and they leave 
bad consequences. My brother, his twin, couldn't bring himself to um, forgive the person who took his life, took his brother's life. And this unforgiveness breeded seed of hatred that choked out love for oneself, for others. It physically and emotionally and spiritually ruined his life. My brother knew, knew the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, but he didn't have that personal relationship with Jesus. He knew Jesus died for him, but you could say he was a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. And he blamed the Lord for what happened to his brother, to my brother, and it broke his heart. In Psalms 28:14, blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens his heart fails falls into trouble. My brother's life was never the same after that. I look at my brother today and I still see the pain he carries around. The destruction of what drugs did to his body. He thought drugs would free him from the pain of this tragic accident, but it only took away his living. This time with the, his time with his family, it took away memories with our family. Instead, it allowed the pain and unforgiveness to rob us of himself. It was easier for him to stay away from the problem and stay away from us. But like God's word says, so after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, strength, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. That is what I believe with my brother. Galatians 6 tells us to bear one another's burdens. God has called us, and if you're hearing this, it's because it's my scripture, so I'll be saying it over and over. <laughs> God has called us to be kind and compassionate, and he's, he's kind and compassionate to my brother, and he's forgiven him, and God will also forgive us. What brings me joy is to know that we pray for him and his family, and I know God will give my brother a revelation that will bring him back to his son, Jesus Christ, even if it's at the 11th hour. Luke 6, 36 tells us, Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. Ephesians 1, 7 tells us, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Now, Peter was restored by Jesus. Peter's restoration by Jesus touched my heart. The Lord not only forgave Peter, who had denied him not once but three times to save his own skin as he secretly walked through the courtyard, but he also restored him and entrusted him in the care of the what we call the church today. When Jesus rose from the dead, he instructed an angel at the tomb to tell Mary to go tell the disciples and Peter. Peter was specifically mentioned 
because Jesus knew that after, after that heartbreaking mistake, that Peter would probably feel guilty and sorrow. Peter, on the other hand, thought, with this betrayal and Jesus' death, everything was probably over for him. And don't we think that, ladies? Don't we think that once we've made a mistake or we've hurt someone badly or we've just done something that we feel that we cannot be forgiven, don't we hide? Don't we stay away? Don't we feel um, full of shame? God doesn't want us to stay away. So he went back, Peter went back to his old job. And, and that's where Jesus found him, fishing on the Lake of Galilee. The Bible tells us that Jesus gave Peter and the fishermen with him an abundant catch. And that's what he does. He gives us an abundance of his love. And also made breakfast for them by the fire. As the men were sitting around the fire to keep warm in the early morning, must have been painful for Peter of what he had done just a few days earlier. What was Jesus doing? Why did he bring Peter there? Jesus brought Peter to the Sea of Galilee to lead him through an experience that would remove the shadow of, de- the shadow of his denial, the shadow of his guilt and shame. He was showing Peter that he did not hold any sin against him, and that Peter didn't have to be afraid of that memory anymore. And I believe that's the same for us, too. Jesus comes and he restores us. Jesus comes and he forgives us. He doesn't want us to hold on to that guilt or that shame, whether it's within ourselves or whether it's between you and another person. He wants you to let it go. Forgiveness is to release the offender. We learn that godly repentance often comes at a moment of acknowledging uh, our sins. We don't even have to say a word. Peter's weeping said it all. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is where it begins. We could never forgive nor fully understand forgiveness until we ourselves have been ultimately forgiven by the grace of God. Forgiving ourselves starts with repentance, choosing to not feel sorry for what we have done, but to truly turn from our sins and seek his face. Then we will no longer need to carry the guilt and shame. Lay it down at the foot of the cross and stop judging yourself. If you are truly sorry for something you're carrying, for something you've said or something you've done, then seek the sorrow, ask for forgiveness without making any excuse and move forward. Without forgiveness, you can never move forward. Remember, you cannot force anyone to forgive you. It's a process. And some people take longer than others to accept a sincere apology. 
And if they need more time, then give it to them. Give it to them with compassion, with empathy, and respect. Our Lord has that great compassion. He knows all about our failures, but he doesn't hold them against us because he has com- because he has and he has completely and righteously forgiven us through the death of the, his son Jesus Christ on the cross. And like Peter, let the Lord's forgiveness and love restore you into wholesome and propel you into God's given destiny. No matter what anybody does to you, you will never have to forgive any other person more than God has already forgiven you. Perhaps there are some people in your life with whom there is unsolved tension, which has come about in the result of sin. It may be that that other person sinned against you and has never demonstrated repentance from the heart and that the, relation, so that the relationship could be restored. If you will forgive, then you will see your relationship restored. Rather than waiting for them to come to you, will you go to them? Remember, blessed are those who are blameless and who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called the children of God. I pray that my message shows tonight the gracious love of Jesus Christ on the cross. In taking the first step to forgive, it's like sending a simple card or saying hello or giving a smile, allowing yourself the freedom and peace to move forward. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. The second step, identify what you want. You could continue in a relationship and a friendship and keeping the doors open for com- to talk, but if it creates a feeling, step back for a moment. And if you just can't keep the distance without gossiping or feeling bad toward one another, remind yourself who you are and you belong to Christ. Proverbs twenty three twenty six: The righteous to choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The third thing is to look at the situation. Have you thought about what you are doing? Have you thought about what they go through? Do you really feel hurt? Did they really offend you? Or are you just having a bad day? Mark eleven twenty five tells us, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven also may forgive your trespasses. I know forgiveness is hard, and it has been, I have been on both sides. I have needed to give forgiveness, and I needed to receive forgiveness. Don't let the unforgiveness and the unloving spirit keep fellowship from you or your family, your sisters and brothers in Christ, your co-workers. Time is short. The gift Jesus gave when he went to the cross for you and me, it shares the gift of love. It shares the gift of mercy. It shows, shares the gift of grace. It shares the gift of humility and meekness. It shares the gift of forgiveness. 
So let us be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And as the Apostle Paul exhorted us to bear with one another, and if one, one of us has a complaint against another, give, forgive each other as God has forgiven you, so you must also. And what our Lord Jesus tells us, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive another their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Those are Jesus' words. And I'll close with this poem. Lord, do you love me? Yes, I have always loved you. Always? Yes, always. Even when I did something wrong? You have never done anything wrong. You have either hit the mark of love or you missed the mark of love. So what about when I missed the mark of forgiveness? Did you still love me? Yes, I still love you. Really? How come? Because I'm more forgiving than you are. Forgiving? So did you forgive me when I missed the mark of love? I forgave you before you missed the mark of love. In fact, I knew before you that you would miss the mark of love. And I forgave you then. What? Even when I? Yes, my daughter, even when you. Let's pray. Father, your word tells us that forgiveness is not an option but it is a command. Father, and I pray tonight these my sisters will choose to forgive. Even when it gets tough, Father God, may they dip their feet into the blood of Jesus Christ and know, Father God, what you have done for us. It's a hard thing to do, Father, but you did it for us. You went to the cross, Lord God, and you gave your life for us that we would have life more abundant and everlasting. So, Father, I pray and I thank you for these ladies tonight. And I just pray that they would take each of our teachings, Father God, the words that you have given us, whether it's two words, three words, whatever it may be, Lord God, I just pray, Father God, that they would apply it to their lives, Father God, or they would even think about, Father God, what you have said, Lord. Father, we come to hear your word, Father God, to live as Christ lived. In Jesus, I thank you, my Lord, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.